Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Please check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. Hi there, this is Pastor Sherman Burkhead, and this is Grace in Truth, a devotion that is meant to encourage you, but also to challenge you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ through a time in the Word and time in prayer. And as always, we begin with gratitude. What are we grateful for? Well, today, before I can tell you what I'm grateful for, I got to tell you a little story about what happened yesterday. You see, last um, week, a member of our church who started our food ministry years ago, who actually has moved away uh, to another community and goes to another church. She called me and asked me what we needed. And I told her that we were running low on food for our pantry because we feed a lot of people in this community through the blessing box. And and she um, then immediately went into action and she pulled together a couple of financial donations, sent them to us so that we can buy some things for, uh, for, the, for the people in our community that who are in need. And I was really, really grateful for that. But then yesterday she calls me and says to me that the Salvation Army is, is going to be bringing a bunch of boxes of food in a few hours to the church. And she said that I need to have some volunteers lined up for that. And so I I got some volunteers scheduled for that, but this guy shows up with a truck and he shows up with 50 boxes, 50 boxes of, of frozen chicken. Each box has six bags of chicken and each bag is five pounds. If you do the math, you realize it's 1500 pounds of frozen chicken that shows up at the church doorstep yesterday. And, uh, and so we had some volunteers show up and we unloaded it really, really quickly. But I was like, we don't even have the freezer space for all this. How are we going to get rid of this? And then the volunteers that were there said, hey, why don't we just do a giveaway right now? And so everybody jumps onto Facebook. They start sending out messages and letting people know that there's foods available. And within a matter of hours, we had gotten rid of 1,500 pounds of frozen chicken to people in our community who were in need. We were able to feed over 150 families here in this community, not including all the flats of tomatoes that we gave away with that, which was just an amazing experience. I was so blessed by this experience. I cannot believe, I cannot believe how this came together so quickly. And and so I have to say, I am grateful for a lot of things. I am so grateful, first of all, for the Salvation Army and its generous donation of food for our community. I am grateful for Brenda for setting this up. I mean, just on her own, she just made a couple of phone calls and made it happen. I am grateful to our church family who just jumped in, you know, without any, you know, just, just with a phone call, jumped in to help and make this happen. I'm, I'm grateful to Aaron who jumped in and coordinated everything. I'm grateful to my wife and my daughter, Michaela and Zoe and Aaron's husband, Matt, who were here bagging up the food and Rosemary and Jordan, who helped to sign people in and keep records of what was going on. And then we had our deacons, Mike Howard and, and Hugh Bates. They delivered food to people all over the community who couldn't come here. And that's not all. We had Justin Knight from Carl's Hardware. He took some food and delivered it to people. Uh, Derek English, um, one of the teachers at Bourne High School did the same thing. And even the folks from the Assembly of God came down 
and were able to get some of this chicken to give to the people that they knew who were in need. And so I am just so, so grateful for our church family. I am so grateful to God for the members of this community. I'm so grateful that I live here. And I'm so grateful for all the volunteers who serve in churches and organizations like Salvation Army all over the country and around the world. This is the love of Christ in action. And I'm just, again, so grateful to God for such a wonderful expression of love all the way around. And if I happen to forget somebody to say thank you, I am so sorry about that. Um, But how about you? What are you grateful for today? I'd certainly love to hear from you. You can uh, certainly let me know what you're thankful to God for uh, by messaging me here on Facebook, or you can email me at fbcboron at gmail.com. Um, and let us practice gratitude together. I mean, the Bible makes it really clear that we should live in gratitude. Paul talks about our prayer should be rooted in, in thankfulness to God. Now, today is April the 10th, 2020. And as you know, we're in the middle of uh, Passion Week or what is known as Holy Week. This is a week that is leading up to Easter Sunday. And today, as, 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 today is what is known as <laughs> Good Friday. Today is when Jesus was betrayed, he was arrested, he was tried, beaten, then forced to carry his own cross to Calvary, and then he was nailed on the cross where he suffered for several hours, suffocating to death and dying on the cross, which then would prompt someone to ask the question, then why do we call it Good Friday, right? What is so good about the suffering, the horrific suffering of Jesus Christ? Well, that is the topic of today's devotion. What is good about Good Friday? Well, turn with me in your Bible to Mark chapter 15, and we'll begin looking at verses 33 through 39. Mark chapter 15, beginning in verse 33. And it reads this way. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Elohi, Elohi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. And then when the centurion who stood facing him saw that it in this way, he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. Someone had asked the late R.C. Sproul the question, if God is so good, then why did, then why do bad things happen to good people? And in his classic style, he says, why do bad things happen to good people? That's only happened one time in history, right? And he signed up for it. You know, what he's talking about is is the death of Jesus Christ, the innocent, the only person that's ever been innocent, the innocent son of God, the only truly person who was ever good, who ever lived, right? He was condemned for our sins, and he died a horrific death on the cross for sins that were not his own. But more than that, he endured the awful and terrible wrath of God on the cross for us. That's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, Jesus died on the cross 
His death physically was not the only punishment, but he was enduring the awful, terrible wrath of God. In fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus sweat drops of blood and even prayed to the Father, said, if, if there's any other way, then let this, let this cup pass from me. Let, this, let, this, let something else happen. But then he says, if, but not my will, but your own. Now, why would Christ be so anxious? Why would Christ be so emotionally distraught at the prospect of enduring the cross? And I say that is because many martyrs of the faith have willingly went to their doom, singing hymns and, and, and praising the Lord. Why then would the Son of God be afraid of a Roman cross? It wasn't the cross he was afraid of. It was the awful and terrible wrath of God that he had to endure on the cross that made his heart weak and faint. That's why the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is such a a heartbreaking expression that God the Father poured out his wrath on God the Son on our behalf, right? But then why do we call it Good Friday? If Jesus died at the hands of evil men and endured the wrath of God, then why call it Good Friday? Well, there's so much to talk about on this point, but there's one thing that I want to draw your attention to, and that is verse 38, right? And it says, And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You see, before Christ, the temple was the visible symbol of God's presence with man. And though people could come and, and, and worship God at the temple, The building itself was a visible reminder that you can only get so close to God, that there is a barrier between God and man. And even to get inside the temple itself, you had to be a priest who was on duty for a particular season and had done all the preparations and the ritual cleanings to be able to get into the temple to do their duty, which means everyone else was outside. The temple itself was a visible barrier between God and man. But more importantly, the temple itself was divided into two spaces. You had the holy place where the priests performed their service to God, and you had the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant itself rested, which on the Ark of the Covenant was supposed to be the mercy seat of of God. This is where God's presence rested. This was the, the visible symbol of God's presence with man. There was even at a time that God's Shekinah glory was in the most holy place. And, and this, the holy place and the most holy place were separated by this huge, thick curtain, a nearly two-story tall curtain that was four inches thick. And no one was allowed into the, the, the most holy place, except one time a year, a priest would go and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat to make atonement on the day of atonement for the sins of people. One time a year. To enter into the most holy place bore the penalty of death. No one was allowed in there under any circumstances except that one time. This veil, this curtain was a visible reminder that because of our sin, there is a barrier between God and man. God and man were separated. They were cut off from God's presence, which goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where mankind early on, Adam and Eve, were able to walk with God and be in his presence. But then sin entered the world because of their transgression, and all of creation was cursed, and mankind then was cut off from God's living and life-giving presence. The curtain, this veil, stood as a reminder of this barrier between God and man. And when Christ died, this curtain was torn. 
And notice that it says that it was torn from top to bottom. And what we need to realize is this curtain was nearly two stories high and like I said, four inches thick, which means the only way for this veil to be torn from the top to the bottom was to be supernaturally, had to be torn by God. You see, Christ's atoning death on the cross permanently removed the barrier between God and man. His death on the cross perfectly atoned for our sins. And by faith in Christ, then we are credited with Christ's righteousness. And now we are able to have the relationship with God that we were created for. In fact, God, the Holy Spirit, from the moment you believe, he comes to live inside of you. God himself takes up residence inside of you, leading you, guiding you, and changing you and sanctifying you from the inside out. You see, Good Friday is indeed good because Christ's death on the cross washed away our sins, removed the barrier between us and God, and reconciled us back to God, not as strangers, not as enemies that he tolerates, but it is his family, as his children. As the Bible says, we can come to God saying, Abba, Father, or Daddy, because we now have that up-close personal relationship with God that we were created for. In fact, even the Bible tells us we can come boldly before the throne of grace. There was a point where no one could come before the throne of grace except one time a year. Now we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Good Friday is good indeed. And the resurrection on Sunday is proof that Jesus is who he claimed to be, and that what he did on Good Friday for us actually worked. And so with that, we're looking forward to Easter. Um, speaking of Easter, just want to remind you, um, we're going to be uh, live streaming Easter service at 11 o'clock, and then we will be we're passing out um, uh, Lord's Table kits to those in our church family who want them. Uh, there should be a deacon in our church that reached out to you if you um, are a regular attender. And um, and we, we'll make those available here Saturday tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Um, with that, let us come before the Lord and let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are thankful to you for what Christ did on the cross. His willingness to go in our place. Father, that he endured the worst that mankind had to offer and he endured the awful and terrible wrath that you have to pour out on sin father we thank you for his sacrifice we thank you for his willingness to um to die in our place but more than that we thank you also for his perfect life and his his righteousness that he credits to us lord god so that we can have a relationship with you a forever relationship with you. We thank you for his sacrifice and what he has done. We thank you, Lord God, for what Good Friday means. And we thank you certainly for what, what, what Resurrection Sunday means. Father, we are coming before you now, Lord, pleading for our country. We're pleading, Lord God, that you put an end to this virus. We pray for those who are afflicted and that you would protect their lives and heal their bodies and that the medical professionals will be able to treat them. And we pray for the medical professionals and the frontline workers that you'd protect them, Lord, from the virus itself, Lord, that you'd keep them healthy, Lord, and you'd help them to have the strength to do their job and that they would have, be of good cheer knowing, Lord, that you were behind them and with them. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the sent people that are essential in, in their work. We pray, Father, that you would help them uh, to minister and, and, and serve the community, Lord, but keep them safe at the same time. Father, we thank you, Lord, uh, for that. And we pray, Father, for those who are afflicted financially. We thank you. For, we pray, Lord God, for the businesses that are, who are struggling. We thank you for the, we, we, we are praying, Lord God, for the families 
who need um, to pay their bills, who are, are struggling with, with their finances because of this, Father. We know that you're a provider, and we pray, Father, that you would uh, give that provision to them. And Father, we're praying for the leaders in our, our country to be able to have wisdom, to be able to not let this, this quarantine go on too long. We, we pray that they would have wisdom to restart uh, our country and our economy again. We pray, Lord God, that you would um, help them to make the right decisions on our behalf, Father. I pray, Lord, that all of us would just turn to you in hope and faith. And we're praying that in this time that you would use it as, as you will to bring revival to our community and our country and our world. We give you all the praise, all the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And as always, you are loved and you are prayed for and you are deeply missed. Grace and peace. We will talk to you soon. You've been listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead, a production of First Baptist Church in Boron, California. Our website address is fbcboron.org. And would you please consider partnering with us financially as we work to share the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ with our community and our world.